Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. I'm Dr. Susan Guttentag, the Julia Carroll Stadler Professor of Pediatrics at Vanderbilt University School of Medicine and the Director of the Mildred Stallman Division of Neonatology at the Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt. I have the great pleasure of serving as the PI or Principal Investigator for TIPQC. Today's discussion will focus on community engagement to reduce infant mortality. Today's guest is my longtime friend and colleague in neonatology, Dr. James Greenberg. Dr. Greenberg is the co-director of the Perinatal Institute at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, lead physician executive for Cincinnati Children's Critical Care Building and Master Planning, Um, and Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Cincinnati. Importantly for today, Dr. Greenberg is the co-founder of Cradle Cincinnati, a unique program to reduce infant mortality in Hamilton County, Ohio. Cradle Cincinnati, through the commitment of parents, caregivers, healthcare professionals, and community members, brings together this uh, diverse group Um, to uh, examine and reduce infant mortality in Hamilton County. Welcome to our show today, Jim. Susan, thank you. It's great to be here. Really fun. So I thought it would be great for us to start out if you would share a little bit more about your, your career, your background, and your interest in infant mortality. Sure. Uh, Thank you. Um, I, I had a, my, my career is kind of long, and I don't want to spend too much time diving into all the details, but I'm a neonatologist uh, by clinical training uh, and followed a fairly traditional pathway um, studying uh, neonatal perinatal medicine as well as immunology in my uh, well, formal training and, and also spent some time overseas uh, getting some additional training in, in molecular biology. And then embarked on a career as a, a rather traditional physician scientist focusing on, on lung development. But I also had the opportunity to serve as a leader in various ways, um, um, starting with uh, a role as medical director of our neonatal intensive care unit uh, here at Cincinnati Children's. That was early in my clinical career. And I, from that time onward, uh, always uh, uh, found certain aspects of, of our uh, our care and our patient population to be rather perplexing, um, starting with what seemed to be a disproportionate number of our patients coming um, from um, impoverished and disadvantaged backgrounds, and and also a disproportionate number of patients of color, uh, in particular uh, black patients. And I should point out, 
I did my training, uh, early training at the University of Minnesota, where the largest minority group, at least at that time, was Native Americans. Uh, we had a relatively small population in Minnesota, a black uh, population. And it really wasn't until I had the opportunity to move to Cincinnati and start practicing there that I appreciated this kind of disparity, if you will, that was very informal. If you fast forward uh, to the late knots, I guess, as we call the, uh, the like 2008, 2009, we had the opportunity to form something called the Perinatal Institute here at Cincinnati Children's. And the one thing that we felt was really missing from the traditional academic triad of research and patient care and teaching uh, or training uh, was uh, um, a, a deeper understanding and appreciation for uh, how community health and community engagement might impact uh, the health, in our case, of our, of our neonatal population. That idea led to the formation four years later, five years later, actually, of, of Cradle Cincinnati. It, in a nutshell, this whole idea that we, we spend so much money and so much effort trying to help these tiny babies and sick babies who reach our NICU, and we, we traditionally at that time ignored why they had come to the NICU in the first place. And as, as I had the opportunity to dive into that, uh, became more and more apparent that we needed to, to really think deeply about it and that there was a real role for healthcare providers in this space. Infant mortality is a huge pro problem with sort of multiple root causes. Um, tell us about what the catalyst that got you started specifically um, embarking on Cradle Cincinnati. We learned doing some cursory research that the, the infant mortality rate in Hamilton County, Ohio, which, as you mentioned, is where Cincinnati is located, um, was among the highest in the country, which is really bad. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we really need to thinking about that. And, and it, I guess it helped in a way that I was naive. You know, I appreciate that your point that it's multifactorial and so on and so forth. But the first question I had is why are these, why are infants dying in Hamilton County? And it was very eye-opening for me in that early formative period that actually no one knew. And what I mean by that is that the usual kinds of explanations that were thrown out, poverty, teen pregnancy, poor prenatal care were all kind of thrown out as, as causes, but actually there was no documentation behind that in our county. It was just everybody's anecdotal assumption. So our initial efforts that, that eventually resulted in the formation of Cradle Cincinnati as a, as a real thing started with trying to understand cause of death. And, and where people were dying, where these infants were dying, and so on. Um, and that, that turned out to be a rather complicated and, uh, and challenging journey uh, that was a, but a really important first step. So it, it's interesting that you embarked on this um, with a focus on a county, whereas, you know, sitting as the PI of TIPQC, yeah. We look at this through our statewide um, infant mortality review and maternal mortality review. Um, I, I'm sure that you considered at one point, could we do this for all of Ohio? 
What were some of the things that pushed you to focus on Hamilton County? Yeah, we had the advantage of a clean slate. There was no TIP QC equivalent in Ohio, even at that time. The OPQC started a little while after that. But we chose, we chose the county for a bunch of reasons. One is that it, it, it was big enough that we thought it, we could actually learn. There were enough, I mean, it sounds awful, but there were enough infants dying that we could identify true patterns um, and, 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 and uh, geographies, so to speak. Um, but it was small enough that we could take the kinds of deep dives that we felt we needed to. I could give you examples of what we did um, in order to really get our bearings straight about how to think about intervention, which was the next kind of logical step. The state seemed too big and too cumbersome because early on we, we already appreciated that in order to do what we wanted to do, we needed to have really a, a collaborative, collective, well, we actually use collective impact as our uh, collaborative as our framework, uh, which would include you know, political leaders, local uh, agency leaders, healthcare providers, public health providers, a, a coalition of all the stakeholders who at least think about the problem some of the time. And to do that in a sufficiently granular way required the county with about 10,000 births a year rather than the state. The county was really important. It allowed us to do the kinds of things I think that were really instructive and informed our work moving forward I think supported some of the success that the county has seen with infant mortality reduction uh, and put us in a good position to know how to intervene down the road. But I'm impressed that all of the stakeholders that you mentioned were either hospital agencies, um, local governmental agencies, health departments, this podcast is really to try to focus on community engagement. So what caused you to, and how did you bring the community into this problem? Thank you for asking that question. Really good question. So in the beginning, we did it informally because we weren't that smart. And uh, because it's, Community engagement is hard to do. And, it, it, and what I really mean is it's hard to do well. And from the very beginning, when we were thinking about the initial iteration of Cradle Cincinnati and the kinds of interventions we were going to address and so on, we, on an ad hoc basis, identified through a variety of different ways, community members, quote unquote. And I use that term very generically in our initial strategic planning effort, had well over 200 people from quote unquote, the community who helped inform our thinking. But that's different than co-creation. And I think we understood that at the time, but not as deeply as we do now. Because the one thing that was really missing about our initial approach to Cradle Cincinnati was formal community engagement. And, but it, frankly, I don't feel completely sad about the fact that we didn't do it right away because we were much more informed when, it, when we got to that point. 
what I mean by that is that we really had very granular data about who was dying where, and where they were dying. So we were able to engage with communities that your, 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 your listeners aren't going to identify, but communities that were deeply impacted by infant mortality due to extreme preterm birth, who ha- and happened to be communities that were up the 95 to 100% black in terms of their uh, uh, racial demographics, and say, babies are dying in your community. It's really, really hard, and we need your help. Will you be willing to help and partner with us? And we overwhelmingly had the answer was yes. But it was yes with a, we want more than just partnering. We want real community engagement. And we recognized that that was missing, and that led to the creation of some a, a, a component of Cradle Cincinnati that's called Queen's Village. So Queen's Village is all about community engagement for Black women, because that's the group that's most deeply and profoundly affected by infant mortality in Hamilton County. And Queen's Village is... You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It, it, people say, well, what is it? And, and, and it's a little bit hard to define, but it's really a community of and for Black women that is led by Black women and is, is meant to create a space that is safe and empowering for those women, for their own health and wellness, especially as it relates to uh, maternal health to, to, to obstetrical health, but also a way to collaboratively inform systems, whether they're healthcare systems, public health systems, uh, jobs and family services systems, about what works for them and, as importantly, what doesn't work for them. And that takes a lot of trust and a lot of effort, and we spent a lot of time doing that. We recruited a very, very talented uh, individual, Meredith Shockley-Smith, to develop it. She, Dr. Smith has devoted her academic career to thinking about community engagement. And, and, you know, we were fortunate enough to recruit her, and now she's our executive director for the whole Cradle Cincinnati thing. So, um, but Queen's Village was Meredith's vision. And, you know, it's, it's a very powerful group of women now. It's over... 3,000 people who have had some contact in one way or another with Queens Village. And there's a, a lot that's really very, very uh, powerful about it. And we've been asked by the state of Ohio to spread or to support the development of similar entities throughout uh, uh, the state in areas that have high black infant mortality. And we're doing that um, uh, with support through the Ohio Department of Health. Um, so community engagement is super important. And by the way, we saw our most dramatic declines in black infant mortality and in black extreme preterm birth, especially once we really got rolling with Queens Village. So shame on us for not doing it faster, but it really was a, an, a bit of an iterative process for us. When you talk about the degree of improvement that you experienced, um, what, give me some idea. What kind of numbers are we talking about? So I'm going to tell you, everybody, uh, what, we've, what, what the numbers look like, and I'm going to give you a caveat uh, as well. So looking at deaths 
related to preterm birth. So we we have a, a we've developed a cradle sensei developed a system of cause of death. That's our own system because it, and it's a system that basically defines a cause of infant death based on what's the driving force. What what if it wasn't there, would the baby have been? Uh, I had a, a a very very high likelihood of survival. So we've seen a forty percent reduction in black extreme preterm birth related deaths over the uh, nine years that Cradle Cincinnati has been in existence. That's good. And it's accelerated over the last uh, three years. I can tell you that we now have almost complete data for 2022. The data, that, the, the reduction I've shared with you is for through 2021. 2022 is gonna be a lousy year for us. But it's it's really, really important to understand why it's a lousy year. And I'm sharing this all with you as preliminary data, which my public health colleagues would probably hit me on the head for, um, because we, we, we're still confirming everything, but it's important. And, and, and we think it's important enough to, to share it, at least in general terms. So it's going to be a lousy year. It's not going to be a lousy year because of black extreme preterm birth related deaths. It's going to be a lousy year because sleep related deaths in Hamilton County has skyrocketed. They've tripled over the past seven years and it, it, that, that increase is accelerating. We done, did a lot of work on sleep related deaths early on Cradle Cincinnati. Uh, our focus was on the ABCs of safe sleep and positioning and education. Given that infant mortality in general is a wicked problem, it's not surprising that, guess what? Sleep-related deaths have come back, and they've come back in a different way. They are almost exclusively related to the A part of the ABCs of safe sleep. In other words, these are babies uh, uh, who are dying because of co-bedding. And... That's a whole different animal than our big focus has been. And that's important, but we're actually very proud about the fact that we know it so fast and that we're gonna be able to pivot, we hope, with interventions that will focus on this particular issue. Not an easy uh, 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 issue. And uh, by the way, members are, are are right in the thick of helping us understand how to address and think about interventions uh, around co-bedding. Certainly proud of what what's happened, but we understand this is a real hard problem. I'm I'm always trying to think about what how we can apply some of these lessons to our um, our long skinny state um, where we have you know, different problems in different regions of Tennessee um, and, uh, and utilize lessons from Cradle Cincinnati um, to try to help uh, our disparate communities tackle, um, it, to try to not be one size fits all um, for the improvement that we attack um, in in Tennessee. What I imagine is a, a, what I think of as a federated model uh, or a federated approach where that, that really, and by that I mean that there are acknowledgement that if you divide the state 
into kind of key geographic regions. And I'm not going to even try to do that for Tennessee because I'll screw it up. Hopefully it makes sense and that Nashville is a different region, if you will, than Memphis, uh, which is a different region than Chattanooga, et cetera. And, 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 and that we, we actually even did this with the state of Ohio um, in some of the work we've done with the sta- at the state level, where we divide it into these regions. A- ask a certain set of, of standard, but rather simple questions for each region, starting with um, why are babies dying and where are they dying? You know, what's, what's, what, where, where do infants die? And, and by where, I mean, not just, oh, just in Nashville, but at, at a zip code level, kind of that level of granularity. And what are the causes of death? Being able to do that at a statewide level is a heavy lift. But if, if each region has that as their job, so to speak, it's possible that one can get a lot of really useful information and really determine whether there are regional solutions or interventions that are important or more statewide interventions, or what's most likely a combination of the two, but do it in an informed way that's data-driven. And it's amazing how those two things, it done really well, can provide an incredible amount of information that's actionable about. Um, And because so often um, we found, at least here, policymakers, well-intended, uh, but but eager would make assumptions about the problem. You know, I, I was told constantly that poverty, if we solve poverty, we would quote unquote solve the problem. And we had to show data demonstrating that, you know, uh, well, you know, financially well off black families had a much higher risk in Hamilton County of losing a baby than very, very poor white families. So fine, poverty's, no one wants poverty, but you can't tell me that poverty's the, you know, eradication of poverty is the solution. And by the way, it's really hard. So let's try to focus on things that are going to be more actionable. And I think that's the other issue that we face um, is that uh, we have problems in infant mortality but we also have problems in maternal mortality. And, and so trying to um, leverage community engagement on both of these fronts is going, going to be incredibly important for us um, in TIPQC. Are there any questions that you wish I had asked in our time together? What am I worried about? You know, and I would say there there are a couple things that that you know keep me up at night about this. And one, is, you know, you 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 use the phrase "wicked problem," which is you know something that I've used to think about infant mortality as well. And wicked problems, uh, by definition, are problems that kind of recur in various forms. And, you know, my example about extreme preterm birth related deaths and sleep related deaths, and how that's you know. One's gone down and the other's gone up and so on and so forth. Sustainability becomes a problem. It, 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 you know, keeping, sustaining interest and, and passion about this problem is, is something that I worry about. There's, there's fatigue, if you will, um, uh, within uh, the county, uh, whether, whether it's funding fatigue or whether it's um, just fatigue around 
is this problem ever going to go away? And, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I think, you know, the, the answer to that is, is that is the acknowledgement that that's what's going the way it's going to be and that anyone or any entity that is willing to take on a wicked problem needs to acknowledge that and understand that. And there are certainly organizations and, and individuals who get that and, and will be willing to do that. But sustainability is certainly uh, one thing that um, um, in the in the context of wicked problems is something that I worry about uh, a lot. Um, the other has to do with intervention and what are the right interventions and how to prove, if you will, that an intervention is valuable. Um, you, you and I both think like bench scientists from time to time. Uh, I suspect you do that a lot more than I do these days, but you know, so the rigor at which we expect around being satisfied that interventions are working and valuable um, is hard to come by. It's expensive and it's, it's a constant challenge. So we, we need to constantly have that kind of skepticism and rigor around what we're doing and willingness to change our direction if we, we perceive that, that something is not working well and um, that, that uh, it, we have to swallow our pride or whatever in terms of thinking about what the ideas are and what, what they should be. So I've thought about a lot about your um, definition of a wicked problem. And, and I think that there are some things that um, we do a little bit differently. I, I agree with you that wicked problems are wicked because they just don't seem to go away. Um, and one of the uh, valuable approaches that we've taken is to um, safe sleep, for example. Um, it seems like every five years we turn back to safe sleep. Um, and that's because you know, we oftentimes have a nice improvement over a one-year period of time, and we can get that into sustainment. Um, and it allows us to periodically take our foot off the gas pedal um, and re-energize by thinking about some other wicked problem. Um, and then going back with fresh eyes um, and new tools uh, and new approaches to go back to the first wicked problem. Um, and and, and I, I think that has been very helpful to try to re-energize our large workforce across the state that is giving of their own time um, to do this out of the goodness of their heart and their passion for their patient population. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for giving your time for this podcast. It's been, it's always wonderful to talk with you, but it's even been more wonderful um, because I get to share you with um, the thousands of people that listen to our podcast. Um, you know, I, I think that we've um, been able to address some of the issues 
around community engagement in a way that I, I think that we can um, take some of your lessons learned um, and apply them uh, in our own state and our own collaboratives. Well, pleasure and a privilege. Uh, and it's a, even though it's a long and skinny state, it's a really neat place uh, for my visits and, and, you know, lots of important things happening. And I wish everybody the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TipQC. TipQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.